Welcome into yet another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast here with the Indy Star, IndyStar.com. I'm your host, Derek Schultz. Afternoons on Fox Sports 1260 and Indy. And the star of the show, as always, is Indy Star Sports columnist Greg Doyle. And Greg, man, I am ready to go. I just chugged a coffee. I'm ready to talk Vinatieri. I'm ready to talk first road win of the year. I'm ready to ask, why do you say yet another? You're you're starting the whole thing off wrong. Yet another? I don't know. It just strikes me as... When you work in radio, and I think you know this too, You know, just if you work in the media business, you're just happy to wake up every day and have that little light flash green when your key fob hits. So, so yet (laughs) yet another to me just means, hey, we're still here. It's still going. My key fob... Did not work to get in this room, that as you true. know. We yeah. had to go find two different bosses to get in this room. <laughs> Have I been laid off and nobody told me? The day's coming for all of us. The question is, do you get told in advance or do you find out at your funeral that you're dead? That's right. Uh, actually, that's a good segue to our first topic because, of course, we'll get into the Colts' win in Nashville. But the day is coming and, and is the day here, the big story of the week, and you wrote about it for the Star, is Adam Vinatieri's situation. And uh, in full disclosure here, Vinatieri is scheduled to speak to the media about an hour from now from where we're sitting. This is technically Tuesday morning when we're recording this here at the Indy Star headquarters. So Vinatieri may or may not expand on what his feeling was after yet another disastrous performance. But just kind of where we sit today, Greg, how do you take in the Vinatieri situation and the vote of confidence that we heard from yesterday with Frank Reich and, and the Colts saying, hey, look, he's still our guy. The whole thing is weird. Everything about it is weird. Vinatieri saying what he said Sunday after the game, I'll talk to you guys Monday. That's weird. Reich just act, acting like it's a no-brainer. Of course, he's our kicker. That's weird. Mm-hmm. The fact that Vinatieri, the Colts locker room opens at one thirty today, inside baseball, but it opens at one thirty. coordinators at 2.15. And then I guess practice afterwards. Well, Vinny's speaking doesn't. They just changed it just now. They changed it from one thirty for Vinny. Now it's noon, so we're going to get him away from everybody else. So, and again, this is podcast is going to go up later. But I'm, is he going to retire today at noon? I mean, I don't think that he is. But why is he talking to us at noon? Why? Maybe this. Maybe he'll be embarrassed in the locker room to be surrounded by us asking him. You know, do you still have anything left? You know, I don't understand any of this stuff. I don't get it. It's very, very strange. The emotion of the moment after the game, he told a, a couple of you guys, I'm not sure if you were there or not, I'm assuming you were in the locker room in Nashville, where he said, hey, you're going to hear from me tomorrow. That was Sunday, so tomorrow meeting Monday. And, of course, we didn't hear from Vinatieri yesterday. We only heard from Frank Reich. Uh, it makes you wonder, was Vinatieri at that moment, I, you seem to think, Greg, that he was thinking, I'm going to retire the next day, maybe. No, there's no question. I I mean, I, I've got that from you know, the, the dreaded word source, but, but someone who would absolutely know telling me nothing's been decided yet. You know what that means? It means it was on the table. It, mm-hmm. it possibly means they were trying to talk him out of it. It possibly just means they were giving him 24 hours. Hell, Jim Ursay in his, in his golf cart outside the locker room on Sunday said, we don't want to make any decisions in the heat of the moment. That tells me, and this is 20 minutes after the locker room had, had he'd been in there, that tells me he knew Vinny wanted to quit and is outside telling us we don't want to make a decision in the heat of the moment. So anybody trying to go back and attack Stephen Holder uh, or anybody else that tweeted out that, hey, it sounds like he's retiring tomorrow, press conference, that's what was happening. Just because the facts change over time, just because there are developments, like you 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 know, you, you forecast a storm, storm's coming. Sometimes storms change course. You're right. So for people to say that was not happening, that is intellectually stupid. Don't be that guy. How concerned are you with where he is right now mentally? Because, you know, this guy, yeah, he's done it for 23, 24, however many seasons he's done it for. But if retirement even creeps into your mind, you'd have to argue that mentally he's not in a good place right now. There's there's no question about it. I 
once you open the door to that, how do you close it? You know, I mean, he's in the ultimate more than a cornerback. You know, you got to have no memory as a cornerback. Yeah, but they at least get 60 snaps a game. They can just not forget the next play. Then he sits there on the sideline for 15 minutes, 30 minutes between kicks. And I mean, all he does is one motion. That's all he does. It's like being a golfer. Um, and once you get the yips, it's over. And if you're Steve Saxon, once you can't throw the ball first base, it's over. Um, and the thing about Vinny is, let's be honest, he's not been shanking kicks. Um, not in games anyway. I saw him shank one in warm-ups. But anyway, he's been close. So it's not – I mean, he's not Steve Sachs throwing the ball into the crowd or throwing the ball. Yeah. He's, he's close. He's very close. And he is the greatest of all time. And he is mentally tough enough to have hit some of the biggest kicks of all time. So do I think he can come back? I absolutely do think he can come back. But but is it clearly mental and not physical? Yeah, his leg strength is there. There's nothing physical wrong. It's just in his head a little bit, and can he get through it or not? Well, we're gonna we're all gonna find out unless he retires in, in an hour. Who the hell knows? And it's a big risk too, because the Colts very easily could be zero and two, and the reason that they're zero and two is because of their kicker. I mean, they they very easily could have lost that game yesterday on Sunday, twenty to nineteen, oh, yeah. and it would be because Vinatieri blew two extra points. Well, the Titans were at the forty-five. The Titans were. I mean, it wasn't going to be easy, but they were in field goal range when the clock ran out, but they weren't going to kick a 63-yarder. Mm-hmm. But they were on that side of the field. They were one completion away from being in field goal range. Granted, their kicker had missed a 45-yarder earlier, which underscores the fact that had that guy hit the 45-yarder, they win already. Mm-hmm. So this was the, – the Colts are not a juggernaut that's going to outscore a lot of teams, and they're not uh, in a high-scoring thing, and they need every point they can get. And my my, my biggest takeaway from all of this really has been the, the really big picture in that Ballard and Reich have just preached competition since the day they got here. And – the idea that they've got a kicker that's underperforming, whatever his name is, like Vinny has the last two, three, four, five games dating to last year even, and they're they're not going to bring in a kicker to compete with them. I, I don't know what message that sends to the locker room. That surprised me. Now, but maybe with Vinny, maybe what it sends a message to is that the a good one to in, to the players that Vinny is so tough and he's so good, and and we're going to be loyal enough and give him a chance to to play through it. So it's possible this message is entirely well-received in the locker room. I mean, who the, again, I'll say this about a million times about this whole situation. Who the hell knows? So anybody out there saying, I know this, or I know that, or I've got a strong, you don't know jack squat. We're all going to be on edge the second that Vinatieri lines up for any kick on Sunday. Every, everybody in that entire stadium and press box is going to be on edge not knowing what's going to happen. Well, and imagine if he, if he happens to miss one, if he does. And the way the season's gone, he's a he's better than 50-50 to miss, whatever it is. I mean, he's missing extra points. He's mi- missing chip shot field goals he's missing anything and everything so and i like the guy i, I everybody loves him we love he's him great, right. he's a great guy he's great a great guy. great player great guy the whole shebang nobody wants to see this happen no Vinatieri. if he wants to stay okay and if he if he does want to stay for his sake not as a colt homer for his sake i hope they go through I, i'm tired of asking i i hate going up to his locker and looking him in the eye after these things. Yeah. I, I don't want to be there mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to be there either but for the most part he does although he didn't sunday but anyway <laughs> Imagine if he misses the first kick or any kick Sunday. It's the entire stadium will be apoplectic. And now you have to throw some of the heat on Frank Reich because this is sort of like him co-signing on the loan, right? If Vinatieri defaults here, then Reich is the one that gave him the vote of confidence when they could have made a change. Yeah, you know. I guess it's it's not perfect. not that he'd lose his job or anything crazy right, right, like right. that, Greg. I'm just saying that he, he now can catch some criticism for sticking with Vinatieri. The, the thing that I worry about with Reich, it's it's kind of a blessing and a curse. Reich is an overly optimistic guy, which is great, 
And I think the locker room feeds off of that. And I love that he went to bat for Vinatieri. I love that he goes to bat for his guys. But sometimes you worry, and Reich has even said this, are you two rose-colored glasses? Are you hoping something into existence when all of the information that's being presented says this isn't the way that it is right now? Well, it's the same thing we used to kill Chuck Pagano for. You're he right. Was, he was so, you know, why is it going to get fixed? Because it's going to get fixed. Like he, but the difference was between Pagano and Reich is Pagano seemed to really have only hope. He never seemed to have answers. Like, he never seemed to have, it's going to get fixed because we're going to do this, this, and this. He just thought it would get fixed because pros get better. Um, the reason I paused earlier when you asked me about Reich and the, taking the heat is that the analogy is not perfect, but you know he goes for fourth down in spots where maybe the analytics are coming around where it's not nearly as stupid as we think it is, but he goes for fourth down in risky, risky spots where if you make it, you're going to win probably, but if you, if you don't make it, you're going to lose. Whereas you could just take option C and punt it and just not have it be a sure thing either way. But he loves going for these binary, it's going to be this or this decisions. And he's got another one here with Vinny, and he and he always errs if he errs at all on the side of believing in too much in his players. But we saw last year he did that last year, and that locker room, in, I guess it was against Houston, whatever the fourth down he went yeah for, Houston, yep. It galvanized the whole locker room just the fact that you believe in us that much. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. I don't think it worked. No, right. uh, Houston came down the field and won the game. That's right. That's right. My memory's not good. That's right. Uh, yeah, they completed like one pass and then kicked the field goal um, or something. Hell, I, I forget, but. Point is, that didn't even work, and the locker room felt like we're in it together now. It was a, it's a weird deal. The the psychological battles that these guys play. I am not optimistic about Vinatieri bouncing out of this. I'm just not. Uh, I, I I I'm I hope that everything's going to be okay, but I'm not super optimistic about it. That said, it, it, you've been around sports for a long time, Greg. You can count probably on one hand how many guys get to leave on their own terms. Like, I'm getting a lot of feedback that Vinatieri should be able to leave on his own terms. Yeah, well, that's all well and good, but if he's a liability, then it's a problem for you. And you think about even the greats in this organization. You were here, Reggie Waynes, last year. That was your first year here, right? 2014. Right. Where it was sad. You watched, he went out there. I mean, he was playing through injuries and all of that, but he was the shell of his former self. Uh, Dwight Freeney got cut here. Antoine Bethay was let walk. Peyton Manning got cut here. Mathis is one of the few guys that I can think of that actually said, okay, I'm done, and walked away kind of off into the sunset, but that that's not the norm. The only way to really go out on your terms, for the most part, is to do what Andrew Luck did, to do what Pat McAfee did, and to leave early, yeah, like ridiculously early, because for whatever reason you're leaving early. But if you're going to stick around until you can't do it anymore, that decision is 98% of the time not yours. Someone makes it for you. And the thing with, with, as they say about getting old, is people get old fast. And it, But again, I, I say that, and I'm going to backtrack, because I, I don't feel like Vinny got old. I feel like, this, I mean, if he was 33 years old, we'd be saying the exact same thing. He's not good enough right now. What's going on? Mm-hmm. The fact that he's 46 is just kind of this elephant in the room. But I don't even know that, except for some fans maybe on Twitter, I don't know, but you and me, we're not talking about... Um, he, is he so old he can't do it anymore? It's more just it's as you say it's it's yeah, mental. It's mental. It's mental. And the, he's still the, booming the kicks, booming the kicks. I saw him in pregame warmups, booming kicks, making them. And warmups are different, but the, the point is the leg strength is there. This is not. Was it Morton Anderson? Was it the other Anderson? Gary Anderson. Gary Anderson <laughs> couldn't kick a forty-three yarder. Yeah, but they kept him around because he was very accurate. He wasn't going to miss. He just couldn't kick. You had to get inside the twenty-five, and he wasn't going to kick. This isn't that. Mm-hmm. I remember Matt Stover, who had a cup of coffee here, was like that at the end of his career, where if it was anything plus forty-two or forty-three yards, you couldn't trot him out there. But anything inside that, you felt okay. He could still do this. Um, let's talk about the actual game itself because I had the same exact takeaway as you did. We talked on the podcast last week about being encouraged with a losing performance. 
And I think for the most part, look, a division road win is a division road win. It was very important of a game for the Colts to win. That said, I feel like I was more discouraged than encouraged by what we saw uh, on, on Sunday in Nashville. Yeah, when you're this early in the year, you're looking for not just a game, but you're looking for a game and was it, how's it going to look going forward. And in L.A., you saw a running game that was really good. You saw Jacoby Brissett have a pass, QB rating of one, a passer rating of 120. Um, you saw a lot of things to think, okay, there's there's hope here. Um, you know, Mack averaged two yards to carry the other day, and Jacoby wasn't nearly as good and had a bad fumble and a, a bad pick. And, and the defense put up better numbers. I'm always leery. You know, this goes back to 2014-15 when they talk about how good the Colts are on paper and this and that and because this number looked good and this number looked good. But I'm like, yeah, but the eyeballs were telling me otherwise. And my eyeballs told me that Marcus Mariota carved him up. When he, and my eyeballs told me Derrick Henry, they couldn't bring him down. Granted, he's a, a Mack truck and there aren't many Derrick Henrys in the world. But my eyes said the defense wasn't all that great. Wasn't. The offense wasn't good at all. And they can't kick. So I, I mean, I, yeah, I just, I, I can't. They can't was, do anything on special teams. Nothing. They, they can't, they can't kick. They can't hold. They can't snap. They can't go through a, a return without a penalty. I mean, special teams through the first two games, Greg, had been a complete train wreck. Zaire Franklin had two holding penalties on returns of different kinds, like punt, kickoff, whatever they were, two of them. Only one of them counted because on one of them, the Colts committed two penalties. Zach Pascal had the other one. They they accepted the Pascal penalty and declined the Zaire Franklin. But Franklin had two. Mm-hmm. And... After having after a second one, when it's kind of like if you get caught speeding, you're going to go slow the rest of the game, right? Or the rest of your drive home. He got caught twice, and then on the very next chance he was on the field on a return, he hit a guy laid out of bounds. The tackle was credited to somebody else. Frank, Franklin still hit the guy out of bounds, and they got no flag. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, is this uh, um, Josh McNary all over again? Is this a guy who just, for whatever <laughs> reason, can't, a name. can't yeah. stay out of his own way, yeah. right? I mean, he's in the right spot in the right right time, but makes the wrong decision. Josh McNary is a name that I haven't heard in a, in a long, long time, but you're exactly right. Remember, he had a lot of problems with that. Uh, but overall, with Brissett, uh, I think the stat line looked better than how he played, but in defense of Jacoby, that might be one of the better defenses. It's definitely going to be, if it's not the best secondary, it's going to be one of the best secondaries that he faces all year. And overall, what, what do you want your quarterback to do? In the red zone, take advantage, right? And I think that's the big positive with the Colts' offense this year is that they have six red zone trips, and all six should have resulted in points. The only one that didn't result in points was one where Vinatieri missed a short field goal in Los Angeles. They're five for six on touchdowns. I think that's an encouraging sign, don't you? It, it, once they get there, they're punching it in. Yeah, and you know how you, you do that is in a lot of – there's a lot of ways to do it, obviously, but – there's not much room, so if you're you, if you're going to out athlete somebody that close, your athletes better be spectacular. Because there's not a lot of room to get separation. T.Y. Hilton got a little bit because he's spectacular. Paris Campbell was just running away from somebody in the back of the end zone, and had an easy pass for Brissett to make to him. And the Eric Ebron shovel pass was just really a great scheme, just a great play. Zach Pascal was lined up at running back on that play. The fake handoff was to Zach Pascal, and then a little shovel to Ebron. So the Colts have the schemes; they've got the playmakers. Um, we just need to see more of Jacoby to know what they have at quarterback. I mean, we know he's decent. We know that much. Is he decent and can win 10 games, or is he decent and can win seven? We'll, we're going to find out. It's a very interesting landscape right now in the NFL, too, Greg, because Roethlisberger's done for the year, right? Uh, Breeze is missing six weeks. Brady is still a great player, but not the player that he was five, six, seven years ago. And you kind of look around and you say, well, geez, can, can the Colts do enough with Brissett to beat the great quarterbacks? And you're looking at the other 31 NFL teams and you're like, where are the great quarterbacks? 
right? Where even the, the decent quarterbacks, look at the Jets. They just lost. They're down two now. And all this makes Chad Kelly's situation very, very interesting because mm-hmm. you've got all these teams needing – I mean, some of them need a starter, but but a bunch of them need a backup right now. And the Colts have three. And, I mean, I wonder – you know, they, 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 they signed Hoyer and they maybe they had to pay him what they had to pay him to get him here. Do they trade Hoyer? You know, they, he got him through two games. And now they've got Chad Kelly back as a backup. Do they? So the question is: Do they they keep Hoyer in case Brissett gets hurt, or do they roll the dice that Brissett is going to be okay, and we're playing the long game, and we don't know what we have in Chad Kelly, but we're going to keep him and find out. So I, I mean, wouldn't I'm not predicting that at all, but it would not surprise me if the move they make is trading Brian Hoyer, and you see Chad Kelly's the backup. That wouldn't stun me. To me, though, they gave him a three year deal. I know. If you were even considering, okay, we need Hoyer to get us through two weeks, you'd sign him to a one year deal. Well, right? no, not if. Five teams want him. You've got to do what you got to do to sign him, knowing damn well that. I mean, true. If they no, offer, you're right. If they offer him a one year deal, Brian Hoyer probably says, "Thanks, guys. I'm gonna stay in New England." But they they offered him what they had to offer him. You know, the supplier demand. I mean, he had the, the demands on Hoyer. They they got him. So, and I, I, again, this is not me saying they're trading him, but just the Chad Kelly deal is really interesting because he's young and unproven, but we saw just enough of him to think he might be pretty good. And we know Brian Hoyer's 36 or whatever, and he's not the future. He's an emergency. So do you roll the dice on the guy that you think might? And Brissett's only signed for two years. We're, we're not sure. They're not sold on him yet. No, you're right. They'd have given him seven if they were sold. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Chad Kelly's the future quarterback. I'm just saying there's a whole lot of gray here. And those roster spots are so valuable when you when people think, oh, what? so what? Just make, make room for Chad Kelly and carry three quarterbacks. Well, it's not so easy considering the Colts' injury situation with Desir and some other guys. You know, you need all of those available spots. It's really difficult to carry three active quarterbacks yeah, on the, the roster. Darius Leonard getting hurt this past concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. Desir right with with the knee. Um, they're they're running out of. I mean, they had no place to stash anybody, but they're now running out of places to st- even. I mean, now you're not cutting off fat. Now you're cutting off fingers and, and hands to make room for somebody. So I don't think they carry three QBs. I think also it wouldn't surprise me, obviously, if they just put. Chad Kelly on this on the scout team and let someone claim him and, and Frank Wright can say to himself and to his to his good friend Jim Kelly, hey, look at your boy's rehabilitation. It's 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 happened because he's got claimed by I don't know the Jets. He's now a, on someone's fifty three man roster. Um, also, given the demand for quarterbacks, and I'm not sure. Look, I'm not a scout. I don't know that Chad Kelly showed he can get done in this league in the preseason. I mean, it was preseason. I don't know what I was watching. I'm and not, how many I'm, and, and how many guys on NFL rosters was he playing against in right. the preseason that that are right now on NFL rosters? Exactly, guys like Chris Ballard and other GMs they know what they're seeing. I, I mean, I'm just like everybody listening here. I, I I think I might know, but I don't know. I know. I don't know. I know. So I don't. But but if Chad Kelly is as impressive as I thought he was, and and all these guys are going down, maybe somebody trades for him. Maybe mm-hmm. they get something for him. The Patriots got nothing for Brian Hoyer. Maybe the Colts get a number se- a seventh round pick for Kelly. It is kind of crazy to think that. And you said it on our show yesterday, Quarian Schultz, that, you know, here's Chad Kelly, a guy that really was only here because probably there was a favor, right, for for Jim Kelly and, and Frank Reich having the close relationship. So, hey, my nephew needs another chance. He just has to be in camp with somebody. Please bring him on to your 90 man. And now we're talking about him as like this asset that the Colts have that other teams could possibly want. It's it's a pretty incredible turnaround in eight weeks. It is. And, and, and if he's an asset like I think he is, it's. It's less to do. I mean, it's part. It's it's yes. He looked good in the preseason, but it's also quarterbacks are dropping like flies. No, you're right. Yeah. I mean, there is a dramatic need for quarterback right now, and the Colts happen to have. 
I have to believe Chad Kelly's the best number three quarterback in the league. I, I just have to believe that. I'm not sure that means he's good enough to be a two. Like, you can be the best backup in the league. It doesn't mean you should be starting. It just means you're the best backup. You can be the best number three guy in the league. doesn't mean you're good enough to be a two. But I think if there's a team in the NFL that's got a better number three quarterback than Chad Kelly, I'd like to see it. With where we are, we're only two weeks in, so still lots of football left to be played. And we see teams like Buffalo's 2-0. Does that mean Buffalo's going to make the playoffs? No. Um, we see teams have hot starts, cold starts all the time. They bounce back or they go back in the tank. Overall, though, through two games, the Colts are above, below, or right exactly where your expectations would have been. Just overall record, performance, putting everything on the table. Um, the fact that they're one and one after two hard road opponents, um, you got to take that, right? You mm-hmm. take that. So I can't sit here and say, well, they should have been two and zero. Oh. Um, so I'll, I'll take one and one as, as as a guy who in the preseason said this team's going to be better than everybody thinks. I'll take one and one. We haven't seen um, we haven't seen a bunch of guys really explode yet. And that's the that's the good news. Uh, we assume these guys can explode. We assume Darius Leonard can still explode, and we assume that um, uh, Houston can still get to the passer. And you know, we assume Paris Campbell's got a lot more. And Deion Kane hadn't done anything yet, really. I mean, he drew a big penalty the other day, but he hadn't he hadn't done anything yet. And we think he's going to be special. So there's a lot of guys that haven't gone off yet. And Marlon Mack, we saw him go off once, but not twice. So there, there's a lot of room there. There's it's not like oh, this team's hit a ceiling; they can't get any better. They can get a lot better. But the question is also, is well, why haven't they gotten better yet? Like, why haven't we seen it yet? Why is the defense – and I, everybody wants to say they played good against the Titans. Okay, they played fine against the Titans. But why have they not been – they've not been what they were last year. Why not? They were great in the fourth quarter against the Titans. I'll give them that. Well, they give up 59 yards on 20 uh, plays, 20 plays I, I think your colleague Jim Aiello said yeah. earlier today. I mean, that's that's pretty great. Yeah. Even though I've always kind of been low man on Mariota, um, I just – I. I don't see it. Even with Vince Young, Vince Young overall wasn't a very good player, but Vince Young would make wow plays where you'd be watching and be like, damn, did he just do that? I, it's been five years of Marcus Mariota, and I'm still waiting once to be wowed by something that he can do. I, th- I think he's the definition of a perfectly average quarterback. He is that. He, he The curse with him is he was drafted second overall. Yeah. And so we, we think we're seeing more. We want to see more. We're giving him time to see more, but he has just been perfectly average, yes. Uh, going around the rest of the league, I, I had to get your comment on this because we talk about tanking. Fans talk about it all the time, like, hey, tank, tank, tank. And teams usually try to kind of play that close to the vest. Like the 2011 Colts were playing guys who never played another NFL snap again after 2011 at the end of that year. And, you know, was that tanking? You know, I don't know. Those guys that are out there are still trying. You're just purposely playing bad players. This Miami situation has to be the most blatant tank ever, right? Up to a point, um, listen, Minka Fitzpatrick wanted out. They weren't like looking at their roster. Who's our best players? we got to get rid of our best players. Minka was basically pitching a fit. What, what we're seeing in the NFL, and I, I, don't, I don't love it. I, mean, I like players having some control, and Lord knows in the NFL those guys not for long. You know, mm-hmm. The careers don't last for long. But when Antonio Brown is the pioneer of this whole movement, then I don't think I like the movement. And the movement is you can get yourself out of a situation if you want. And Jalen Ramsey wants out of Jacksonville. And damn near picked a fight with his coach on the sideline to make it happen. And he's going to get rewarded. He's going to go somewhere where they're going to win some games. And are we supposed to say good for Jalen Ramsey? Nobody likes Jalen Ramsey. You remember that <laughs> remember right, that, yeah. that tour of he just blasted every quarterback in the league two yeah. or three years ago saying how great he was. I mean, we just don't like people that, that are just not are just so damn cocky. and We like confidence. We don't like cocky. And we don't like Antonio Brown for every number of reasons. So, I don't think Fitzpatrick wanted out, so I'm not sure how much that was tanking. They just suck. They're just bad. It doesn't mean you're trying to be bad. They just are bad. I mean, Fitzpatrick 
was on paper a pretty good quarterback. They acquired Josh Rosen, who on paper we don't know yet sucks. They they just stink, but I'm not sure they're trying to stink. They just do stink. I'm fine with guys, you know, if Fitzpatrick sees that this team's heading for 0-16 or whatever and he wants out, he's still a young player, he wants a fresh start, I'm fine with that. What I don't like is that it just seems like Jalen Ramsey from day one wasn't happy about his situation. Was Jalen Ramsey ever happy in Jacksonville? Anytime I ever heard anything about Jalen Ramsey, he was fighting with teammates or he was angry at coaches or he was mad at fans. You know, it didn't didn't seem like he ever kind of gave that situation a chance. I think there's a difference between Fitzpatrick or or some of these other guys that are drafted into a bad situation and then they put a good face on it, but then eventually they're like, you know what, man, just get me out of here. Jalen Ramsey from day one seemed like a malcontent to me. Yeah, and he's from Florida State, so he's from the state. You would think you'd like to be there. Um, sometimes it, it seems like a curse almost to be so great because you're I – mean, look at Kevin Durant in, 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 in the NBA, the guys like Russell Westbrook and um, – mainly, mainly Durant, I guess. Durant's miserable and um, Kyrie Irving's miserable and Antonio Brown's always been miserable and Jalen Ramsey miserable. And those are all unique, special, special talents, all of them, including Jalen Ramsey. Sometimes when you're so good, I, I guess you just think you ought to the, – the, it ought to be paved in gold for you. Maybe and hey, this I'm the greatest player there is at this position. Why is it so hard here? I, I want to go somewhere where it's not so hard. That's just how it is in sports today. Yeah, it's just I get it. I'm I'm the same way with with Ramsey and with Brown and with some of these guys. I'm like, come on, man. And then at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, well, these billionaire owners cut guys at the drop of a hat right away. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's tough to kind of navigate there. Uh, I know you got to get over to Vinatieri in the press conference. Let, let's quickly get a college football th- thought. A disastrous Saturday. In- Indiana gets run by Ohio State, which I think we saw coming, and Purdue outclassed by TCU, albeit both of those teams having to play backup quarterbacks in those losses. Yeah, I mean, it's basically both both schools are kind of what they've been, you know, over the historically is, is just not ready for prime time. Now, Ohio State, I mean, I'm sorry, Purdue's had some special moments, obviously, the Ohio State game mm-hmm. last year. They've been capable, and with David Blau, who the hell knows? Um, but it's 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 hard to it's hard when you keep hoping you see more from from both from either as a sports writer. I mean, again, I'll say this a million times: I want to write about teams that win because mm. I want readers to want to read. Readers don't want to read about losses. I mean, there's it's a fact of life. If I tweet out a Colts loss, it doesn't get many retweets. If I tweet out a Colts win, it gets a ton of retweets. That's just how it goes. So I would like these teams to be good for my sake, and it's hard to watch. Same damn thing happening. Um, I do believe more in Purdue than I believe in IU. You know, Tom Allen hadn't done it yet. I've seen Brom do it. I haven't seen Tom Allen do it yet, but it's it's disappointing that both of them are kind of – it looks like the same old stuff right and now. And Indiana's season, really at the end of the day, I'm not fully excusing a 51-10 loss. It's embarrassing. At the end of the day, Indiana's season comes down to the Rutgers game, the Maryland game. You know what I mean? Like The, 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 the teams they can actually beat. Right. Like, Ohio State's in a different solar system than most of the Big Ten, including IU. But to watch IU get blasted that way, and, and yeah, backup quarterback with Peyton Ramsey is – you know, if experienced, he, experienced, right? and yeah. on track to break every record in the book if he plays all four years. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, that's just the way it is. And so that loss was. There's losses. And there's terrible losses. That was terrible. And there's wins and there's bad wins. They beat Ball State. It was a bad win. And they they beat the hell out of Eastern Illinois or whoever that was, and that's great. But we haven't seen them. Do, we, I mean, Michael Penix looks good. Didn't play the other day. So there's not a lot of reason to really to feel great about IU right now, and and not a lot of reason to feel good about Purdue right now. Hopefully, Blau comes back and throws for 500 yards again. And Rondell Moore goes off, and we can see. I, I at least again, I have reason to believe Purdue. Has a ceiling there that we haven't seen yet. 
IU, I mean, I'm not sure what the ceiling is. Yeah, because Sindelar was pretty good in the first two. Oh, yeah. Well, I keep saying Blau. No, I, I get them. I keep saying Blau, Sometimes right. I get them mixed up, too, because yeah. they had the quarterback battle last year. Yeah. But um, once once Sindelar comes back, they've got nothing on the ground. Neither team can run the ball at all, which is something that I think is, is definitely a concern. But yeah. uh, either, neither, or both making a bowl game with where we sit today. Um, e- uh, neither, neither. <laughs> yeah, yeah, neither. But Purdue's going to have to basically run the table at home, right? I was thinking Purdue's got yeah. a higher ceiling, but they're they're one and two, and uh, their, their road schedule is at Iowa, at Penn State, at Wisconsin. It's it's going to be really really difficult. Yeah. Uh, IndyStar.com for Greg's columns and articles. I'm sure we'll have more on Vinatieri coming up later today. The pod every Tuesday, so stay tuned for that, and we'll see you next week for episode eight. Sound good? And by the way, a special story on the Colts and the community yesterday. I was at oh, a, I forgot Big Q. Yeah. IPS school, IPS 56, and Big Q was just one of about 15 Colts there, and it, it's emotional afternoon watching these guys on their day off out in the sun, not just for picture ops. And I've got a lot of this in the story. They weren't there for photo ops. They were there to kick butt, and it was great. See you next week, man. Yep, bye.